The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Players Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome in. I told you, Rick. I told you last week, Kurt Kitayama was winning it all. You remember me saying that? Do you remember that time that I said that? I don't remember that. I don't remember it either. I was hoping you'd remember. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember a lot of things. So I, you could have <laughs> you could have probably passed that off as actually happening uh, a week, a week, a week might as well be a year ago in my brain. That's totally fair. Well, we've got a nice little tournament coming up. So I've pretty much erased everything from last week other than the strokes gain metrics that I saw on your website, Rick. Oh, I thank you. Speaking of tournaments, I'm under the impression it is March. I'm under the impression that we get the match play bracket for that event in a couple of weeks. But I'm also under the impression, see, have you ever heard of this? It's They call it March Madness. It's like um, an amateur college like hoops thing. I don't know. I think it's softball. Yeah, I've heard of it. I think uh, Apparently, it's pretty exciting. You fill out brackets or something and you might win money or prizes, um, something like that generally quite popular so we will again partake in a little bit of bracket challenge here on the first cut i cannot remember what the prize was last year but we gave out something to the winner that bracket challenge sign up is now open so link in the description for the bracket challenge you can take us all on and see if you can beat us with your college basketball knowledge which uh, i imagine you can because I have zero idea what's going on. That's in the description. Also, the link for the fans to get their one and done vote in also in the description. So the fans, hey, t- take take a minute. Uh, a lot of stuff down there for you to check out. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Rick, um, apologies to the, the one and done first cut world. It is true that I, in fact, almost didn't get my pick in last week as well. But you know what's funny? You want to hear something funny? I mean, I actually it was Scheffler who I put in first and then I quickly, quickly changed it like within seconds and I switched it to Homa. So that was that was a miss on my part, along with almost missing the deadline. 
The only consolation was that in most one and dones, no one had Kurt Kitayama. There was a lot of like that log jam behind him where a lot of popular guys got 800K or if you went with Rory, you got the 1.7. But luckily, it wasn't just some chalky guy winning 3.6 million. Yeah. I mean, did anybody? Yeah. Certainly nobody in, in the, in the world of one and done, however many entries there are, it's pretty safe to assume like literally not a single person had Kurt Kitayama. I bet you somebody somewhere did. I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't somebody, see it, but I but, but, but that somebody has already decided they're out of the one and done and they're just like trying to be funny and ridiculous. It's like, it's like Kurt's uh, mom picked it <laughs> and then got the 3.6 million bucks. Uh, this week, how about four and a half up top? TPC Sawgrass, the Players' Championship. Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be absolutely splendid. We'll show uh, my website, rickrangood.com. Here's the golf course. Well-known, one of the most recognizable golf courses on planet Earth. It's a Pete Dye design, and everybody who's anybody is going to be teeing it up this week, Sia. So what types of golfers do we think are best suited to tackle this golf course? So I think there's a number of golfers that – a number of types of golfers that can attack this course quite successfully. And we've seen that with some of the winners in, in top 10 leaderboards over the last few years in particular. Uh, what I can tell you I'm looking for is some of the similar, some similar stuff from last week, particularly when it comes to greens and regulation, uh, tee to green and things of that nature. But for me, it's, it's a ball striker. I mean, I see on on the the model here that strokes gained off the tee is pretty important. Uh, it, in fact, the most correlated, if you will. Um, that's something that is of interest to me, but I'm just looking at ball striking as a whole. And, and really, my emphasis is going to be more on approach than anything else. Um, so, you know, I, I think staying in the fairway, kind of staying out of trouble with water being everywhere on this course, that's going to be paramount to me. And that doesn't mean that guys that aren't good off the tee are going to be out of my player pool. It's just not a priority. Thing. Well, the model, which has zero opinion and is strictly based on math, also loves the ball striking category. So strokes gained off the tee, ranking seventh means there's only six other courses on the PGA Tour schedule where off the tee is more important. Strokes gained approach ranking ninth means there's only eight other courses in which uh, strokes gained approach is more correlated to success. And those two things kind of stand alone. See, the rest are kind of average stats around the green distance accuracy. They're all fine, but those historically have been much more average. The other thing I want to consider a couple things I want to consider um, par five scoring has generally been a through line to success at this golf course. You'll see it show up here, whether it's, um, you know, long approaches going for the green par five scoring average, those types of statistics statistics because those are kind of the gettable opportunities around sawgrass not only passes the sniff test but also the math bears it out as well yeah and that's something i've added um a smaller weight to in in my model and so if i can marry strokes gain par five for example or just par five scoring with ball striking and with greens and regulation and i can get guys who are measuring out quite well in all three of those categories i found guys for my player pool uh, here's the scorecard if you're watching on YouTube. So you can see the 72 uh, par uh, broken down into 7,275 yards on that scorecard. Two fives on the front, two fives on the back, two threes on the front, two threes on the back. Very standard par 72 setup around TPC Sawgrass. The other thing uh, to keep in mind, see, especially as we start talking through the player pool, is that historically, this is a very, very volatile golf tournament, whether mm -hmm. it is wins that rolls in or even if you don't have the wind it's just 
water everywhere. Uh, we have seen some of the highest owned golfers, some of the most expensive golfers uh, miss the cut more frequently at this event than many other events on the schedule. So does that change the way you start generating lineups for this week? It kind of does. And I, and I, I don't want to necessarily sort of take the most obvious and easy road out when it, when it comes to getting guys in my player pool. But if I'm looking for consistent ball strikers, you know, whether it's short term or, or long term, to me, there are guys in that mid 7K range in particular that are probably going to be pretty popular, but that I can kind of guarantee are pretty much going to keep it in the fairway. Greens and regulation are going to be really good. And I'm talking about, and we'll get to this, but guys like Keegan Bradley, guys like Corey Connors, uh, even Tom Hoagie uh, is somebody I'm interested in. Maybe Tommy Fleetwood. Like that 7K range has so many sort of positional plotters, kind of safe plays that because of the volatility here, that, that, that safe route, which would normally get you like a T21 or something. Well, some of those guys might be falling that we, that are normally in normal tournaments that are normally up at the top. I just wonder if all those guys that I'm talking about, instead of being in that T20 range are all of a sudden in the, the T10, T12 range, because they're just not making the mistakes. And if that's the case, then that's the route I want to take. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's start naming names. We'll go through the cheat sheet and start at the top of the pricing and work our way all the way down to the bottom. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. <laughs> This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts and we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Four golfers over $10,000. John Rahm leads the way 11.8. Rory McIlroy, $11,000 flat. Scotty Scheffler, 10.6. Xander Shoffley, 10000 It's the big three and Xander, Sia. So where do we want to spend our big bucks at the top of the board? It's funny, right? The big three and Xander. Like, I think we all, when we when we saw, and it's no disrespect to Xander, but he's certainly not in the class of the top three. Granted, he's the fourth priced guy, but uh, it was a little kind of staggering for me to see him in the 10K range uh, with those other three guys. This is really hard, right? I mean, th these top three guys, like, listen, I'm not playing Xander. If you want to get cute and just say, say to yourself, well, not many people are paying $10,000 for Xander because they'll either drop down or they'll take one of these three guys up top. Feel free to do that. It's just not, that's not going to be my strategy for Xander this week. Rory and Scotty, and this is, this has nothing to do with Rom kind of, you know, just kind of giving it away last week a little bit. Rory and Scotty are jumping out at me a little bit. Between the two, I really like what I'm seeing from Rory specifically. Uh, I mean, obviously, all three are, are amazing. Uh, Rory, obviously, we, he won this in 2019. The, the ball striking is so good. And, and when the hot when the hot putter comes around, which it comes around pretty often for him, uh, he the guy's unstoppable. And so this is one of the few tournaments where between those three, I'm probably on Rory rather than Rom or Scotty. He's gained at least... 
10 strokes to the field in seven of his last nine. He gained strokes putting being back in Florida last week. And obviously the, the great results around, uh, around the players championship. I'll pull up Scotty's profile here, Sia, because the argument that I made um, on my YouTube channel this morning was basically, if you just handed me everyone's stat profile and removed the salaries and positions and fantasy points and names and, and, and headshots. I think the Scotty Scheffler stat profile would be my favorite. Like that, that'd be the guy that I'd say, okay, this feels like the combination of high floor and high ceiling, which is very, very rare. He's basically the best T green player in the last year. Him and Rory McIlroy are, are one and two. And he still feels like he has room to grow. I mean, the putter hasn't been particularly great. He missed a seven footer on one on Sunday and a seven footer on 18. Those are two coin flips. And if those two coin flips go his way, he's in the playoff last week. And yeah, maybe it's yeah. not Kurt Kitayama that wins this golf tournament. That's absolutely right. I mean, I, well, he's one of many that kind of left a lot on the table, like on the back nine. I mean, I, you know, we had, we had, I had Hovland, I had Hatton, and, and as they were sort of rounding the turn, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in really good position here. And Scheffler's one of those guys that, you know, you, you could definitely say could have won the tournament. Again, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs here when it comes to Scheffler and Rory and Rom. I, I like this. I, I think, you know, on this course, you, you could be kind of like middling putting-wise, which Scheffler has been lately, and, and really find a hot putter here. So I, even though I think Rory has the edge there and Rom has the edge, uh, I, I could see Scotty having a great putting day. Uh, it's just it's just six of one, half a dozen of the other. So again, if I'm prioritizing, it's Rory, Scotty, and then Rom. But the, the margins are so close between the three. How, how concerned are we about the six strokes that John Rom lost off the tee at Bay Hill? Uh, the the majority of it, I think three and a half of it, came on number six alone throughout the week. Couple of balls in the drink there. The rest of his game was fine. I, I would like to see his approach play a little bit better, but the short game was stout. Is this prime for a bounce back or something to tread lightly with? Well, I think it's prime for a bounce back. But what, I mean, it is interesting if we are going to split hairs here. I mean, the off the tee game hasn't been quite as pristine as it was, let's say, in the fall. I mean, it's, you know, he obviously lost off the tee. But even prior to that, a, barely a gainer off the tee. And then, you know, two to three strokes prior to that, which for John Rahm isn't necessarily great. So, I mean, I think if you want to try to find a flaw, that's where it is. But in terms of whether he's going to bounce back or not. I mean, I, I think it all comes down to his his ball striking, but his approach game. We saw it just at the Genesis Invitational. I mean, he gained almost twelve strokes on approach. If he does if he does anything close to that here, he's going to win the tournament, obviously. So I'm not super concerned about the ball striking as a whole. Yeah, just to put a bow on the rest of this 10K range, here's Xander's profile. It's it's fine. You know, a couple of finishes in the 30s at Riviera and at Bay Hill. He was a little bit better before that. He's still very clearly a well-rounded top-tier golfer. You just kind of have to decide where and how he fits into your lineups, which, you know, early in the week, I think a lot of people are saying one of the big three or coming out and 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 diving into this 9K range. So is, is Xander just going to be the overlooked guy here? Probably. And you know how this industry works. It's gotten pretty sophisticated. So they're going to see ownership come out, you know, that's going to start like pedaling out and it'll probably come out a little sooner. Right, Rick, because we had these, you know, lineups are being made a little bit sooner. But the, the point is, they're going to see that Xander has been completely overlooked. So some people will jump on Xander. But like I said, I, I like that strategy of, of just kind of going to a top tier guy that that is marginally owned. 
But in this case, I don't. Like in this case, I'll get different other places. I'm not going to get different with Xander as opposed to dropping down to the 9K range, which there's so many guys I love, or going up to one of those big three that we talked about. I did just want to see. So Rom's 11.8. Sometimes for these bigger events, you get softer pricing, which we haven't. Not really the case here. And maybe it's because the pricing came out early, but the, I mean, 11.8 is the most expensive John Rom has been. Boy. Um, since the 2021 Fortinet. So we did not necessarily get that super soft pricing that sometimes we see at majors and, and the players. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's why we're going to see some collection areas, no pun intended with a lot of like, like certain pricing tiers that people are just going to gravitate to because they're going to want to take an expensive Ron Scotty, or let's say Roy McElroy. And then they're maybe going to want to take a nine K guy. What that's going to leave them with is like the mid seven K range. And so what that leaves them with is some of the chalky guys I talked about, some of those good ball strikers. So that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not necessarily pivoting away from all of those guys, but keep in mind that it's going to be very easy for people to put some of those premier ball strikers who are, who are having really good recent form in the seven K range into their lineup. So again, consider maybe at least a couple of pivots in that range. The 9K range. Max Homa leads it off 9,900. Patrick Cantlay is 97. Colin Morikawa, 95. JT at 94. Then the final two are Tony Finau at 9,200 and Sung JM at a flat 9,000. So this is uh, that that 1B group or whatever you want to call it of guys that everybody's probably licking their chops at think, Hey, there's a lot of win expectancy here. A lot of, a lot of win equity. Where do we go if we want to start here? What's interesting is I think the licking their chops category belongs for once to the 8K range as opposed okay. to the 9K range, which we'll get to because I mean I, I genuinely think you can put a lot of these 8K, 8K guys in the 9K range, even in this field. So what that means for me is there's not a ton that I like. Like I, I, there's one guy that really jumps out to me that I was off of last week because my hunch was, and this is based on some of the stuff that, you know, I heard on the first cut, you know, not on the DFS show, but when I was listening to you, Rick and Mark Immelman being out at these tournaments and hearing about Colin Morikawa in the wind, I, I was, you know, and then seeing the metrics to back it up. I, I was a little fearful of that in terms of his recent form. So I was off him last week, but the wind doesn't look like it's going to be. And by the way, maybe, Maybe that's just an outlier thing that I'm like, maybe that's not really high impact on Colin Morikow, but I'm just giving you the reason I wasn't on him last week. And I was on, you know, what his counterpart, Victor Hovland this week. I like Hovland, but I really like Colin Morikawa too. love the ball striking. What's interesting here is his history isn't very good. But in 2021, he gained almost seven strokes ball striking, which is pretty significant. The only reason he wasn't very good is because he lost over four strokes with the short game. So we know how volatile like the short game in general can be with anybody, including Colin Morikawa. So I think the ball striking is going to be great. The wind's not super high. So that that sort of hidden fear I have about him isn't really there. And don't forget, you know, it's funny. We have such short term memory. Sixth at the Genesis and third at the Farmers. I mean, this guy is actually in good form. He's just having some really volatile stretches where he's just off the map completely. And we know we know what, like, I'm not into trends this way, but, like, he'll get a third and then he'll miss a cut. And he'll get a sixth and he'll miss a cut. Well, what happens this week? I think it's a good course fit. I like Colin. I believe he was also four under in 2020 through that one round that they played. So don't don't forget yeah. about that, especially for the younger guys. I kind of lump Colin Morikawa into the Justin Thomas conversation. It's, it's like I've got a lot of questions. I'm not sure how many answers I have. Um, I, I think I'm – 
a, a smidge more likely to go back to Justin Thomas than I am Colin Morikawa because I know his around the green play is going to be sharp. I like the way that his ball uh, ball striking is trending. He was another one of these guys, Sia, that with you know seven holes to go at Bay Hill, you're looking at this and saying, "Well, JT's in the mix again," and it didn't it didn't finish well for him. But he's kind of been lurking a little bit. I'm I'm. I'm terrified of the putter. It is not good. It is really hard to watch. I think he needs like a complete overhaul there. But almost in spite of that, uh, he is capable of 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 getting some high end finishes. Yeah, and and we've seen it here with him. We've seen the high end finish um, in 2021, finishing in first and the 11th in 2018, a 33rd in 2022. I don't mind Justin Thomas. I, I I just tend to never play him. And I like that we're looking at the history here. Um, you know, he's had some, obviously, you know, he had elite ball striking when he won, but it's been pretty good here, particularly with the short game. I just don't think I'm going to Justin Thomas. I think I'm only going to dabble in this 9K range. I'll, I'll probably go with like a Colin. And I might, you know, what's interesting here is Cantlay's experience and Tony Finau's experience. What I mean is their history here. It ain't great. So I'm not 100% sure what to do with that. I've, I've kind of come off course history a little bit in terms of really emphasizing it, but it's hard to look away from what they've done here. Between those two, I probably will be peppering in a little bit of Patrick Cantlay, though. Yeah, I would love a low-owned Patrick Cantlay, I believe. Um, you know, he's made some equipment changes. He kind of talked through that a little bit and took him a little bit to get to get rolling, and now it's back-to-back, you know, top four finishes at Riviera and Arnold Palmer. I Yeah, I've seen the history, right? It's, it's brutal. It's three straight missed cuts, but before that, it was two consecutive top 25 finishes. So I, if I can get... A low-owned Patrick Cantlay. I'm interested. The guy, the guy who might just actually be the best one in this entire range. We haven't spoken about. It's mm-hmm. Max Homa. Eleven strokes on the positive in, in ball striking last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's kind of turning into that guy. And one week it's gain eleven in the ball striking and finish t14. And, uh, the week before that it's gain eleven with the putter and finish runner up. I mean, there's there's a lot of paths to the top of the board for Max Homa. Yeah, and for some reason we're not. You know, the community doesn't really put him in the category of at least not yet, of the Colin Morikawa's, of of even the Victor Hoblins. I I know some people do, but I just don't think he's thought of in that way. And so when you look at his price at 9,900, which, correct me if I'm wrong, was the same exact price as last week, I just don't think people are going to be in love with that price because, again, they're going to go up to one of the big three or they're going to try to go down to, like, let's say a Colin or just a Tony Finau or just get into that 8K range. I wonder – his ownership's not going to be super low by any means, but you're right. This is the profile, right? He's the ball striking – has been really good, but especially last week. And we know just from two tournaments ago when he was second place at the Genesis, he gained over 11 with the putter. So it's the right combination of things that we've seen recently for him to just absolutely take down a tournament. I remember because I had home in, in the one and done last week and I felt like he hit it to seven feet on every hole and he just kept missing the putt. And I'm like, man, this is not the max home I know. I like what's going on here. So I, I fully expect him to rebound from that. He has been either $99 or $9,700 for four straight weeks. So Max Homa carving himself out a little bit of a niche there. Let's continue this conversation. Uh, Sia has already alluded to the fact that he thinks the 8K range might be the best range. We'll talk about them, the 7s, the 6s, and much more. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 
Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back. The eights, Victor Hovland, $8,900. Will Zalatoris, Jordan Spieth, Matt Fitzpatrick. Cam Young sits right in the middle at $8,500. And then the bottom, Hideki, Terrell, Shane Lowry, Tom Kim, one Jason Day. Sia, you've teased this area of the board. Let's dive into it a little bit further. There's so many good players here. I mean, I I think you could make an entire line. I mean, I'm not recommending it. I think you could make an entire lineup with this range and, and be... Kind of okay. Uh, so let's start with Victor Hovland. You know, I got away from him a little bit last week. And you remember on the DFS show, I, I was in love with Hovland. And we, and I was, we were talking about how he's ready to pop and he's ready to win. And the trajectory is good. And, you know, his results over at the uh, at the API were good. He ended up being in the, quote, wrong wave. So I, I got away from him a little bit, which was, of course, ended up being a mistake. But uh, speaking of waves, I just want to point out. It doesn't look like the wind is going to be crazy and it's just Monday, but it does look like to the extent there's any advantage whatsoever. Again, on a Monday, I'm saying PM AM, Thursday PM, Friday AM looks to be a very slight advantage, but not one right now that I would pay much attention to, if any. So my larger point in making that statement is I don't think we need to worry about wind waves too much. Again, here on a Monday, let's we'll reassess on Wednesday. But Victor Hovland, ninth year last year, ball striking is exactly where we want it to be. Uh, so I like him quite a bit yet again. Uh, I'll point out Will Z- Zalatoris. This to me, him and Victor Hovland feel like slight misprices here. And I know they're not really misprices because everybody has to go into a certain slot. But if you told me that going into this tournament without seeing anything else, that Victor Hovland was 9,300 and Will Zalatoris was either 92 or 9,400, I'd be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. So I think that's tremendous value on Will Zalatoris. 26th and 21st here so far. Uh, bad API finish, uh, but we're only three weeks removed from him being top five at the Genesis. So we know he Zalatoris is pretty much back. If we're, if we're worrying about the back injury from before, nothing to worry about there. Um, I'll point out a couple other names. Yeah, before you do, just, yeah. just two elite ball strikers that you've pointed out there. Zal Torres, 14 strokes ball striking in his last two trips to Sawgrass, plus five and a half at Bay Hill, 7.8 at Riviera. And then Victor's been on this, this upward trajectory of ball striking statistics for four or five weeks now, culminating with 10 last week at Bay Hill. But also remember, he led the field here last year, gains like 14 strokes ball striking. It was like two and a half more than anybody else. So th- those are, uh, yeah, certainly. I think I think they're riskier options because you could you th- they might just like lose five strokes in the short game categories. Uh, but they are elite, elite ball strikers going to places they have generally dismantled with the ball striking. Right. And and we've seen them. So what's interesting is if you look round by round. Yeah, of course, you're going to see more rounds like let's take Hovland, for example, where. Around the green, it's 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 not very good. But there are some rounds where his around the green game, he's gaining and he's fine. So I mean, it, you're, you're you're playing the volatility here a little bit when it comes to short game and Victor Hovland. But don't forget, there are rounds where 
he's great with the short game. So I, I just, it's one of those things where I'm willing to take the gamble, particularly when we have such an elite ball striker and a guy who absolutely, I mean, it was in spite of the, around the green game perhaps, but he absolutely could have won last week with along with a number of guys. Both, both Thursday morning guys are actually in back-to-back tee times off the first tee. Hovland, 934 with Fitzpatrick and Lowry, Zalatoris, the next group with Xander and... Kirk Kitayama gets himself a big-time featured group fresh off victory. Okay, uh, where are we headed next, Sia? Yeah, so I'll mention, because I've been on these guys a little bit the last few weeks, I'll mention Terrell Hatton and Shane Lowry. I think those are both really good plays. They'll probably be carry a little bit of popularity, but I really want to address two other guys. Tom Kim, because I think he'll get kind of squeezed here, because I, I just, with the lack of experience and him just kind of being a, a little bit down in the ball striking and putting departments, I, I don't think people are going to be super interested in playing him. But we, to me, he's a great course fit. And the upside to me is still there, both with the ball striking and the putting. So if he's going to be relatively forgotten, particularly because there's so many other good 8K guys right next to him, I'm happy to jump in on Tom Kim at 8,100. Go ahead. Yeah. It's not like he's been bad. He's just hasn't won two out of every nine starts, which is like what he was doing when he first broke broke onto the scene. So, uh, yeah, the metrics are still generally positive. There's a lot of guys that would that would love these results. Absolutely. And part of that, by the way, I mean, the metrics might just be dipping, too, because the the, the talent, especially over the last handful of tournaments, has been a little bit better. But I, I think the potential for Tom Kim is is exactly what we thought it was two and three and four months ago. So I'm very much happy to speculate on him at 8100, particularly on this course. The other guy. And I think this guy is going to be pretty popular, along with Hatton and Lowry, uh, Jason Day. Um, recent history, course history. I, I, I'm not sure what's not to like. I, I'm not sure what you could possibly criticize here. Uh, we talked about him a lot last week. Uh, Putter has been on fire. Ball striking has been very good. Um, only minor criticism is the approach hasn't really been elite. But when you contrast the the lack of elite approach play, if that's what you want to call it, with his finishing positions, I'll just give you the last handful. T10, T9, 5th, T7, T18. Uh, he had a miscut in there, T16, T21, T11, T8. I mean, it's basically, it's basically a top 15 machine. And honestly, at 8,000, if you if you didn't have a name next to this, just let's look at the finishing positions alone. And you said, this is Xander Shoffley at 10,000. We'd all buy it, right? And that's not a criticism of Xander Shoffley. It's more of a compliment on, on Jason Day. But why why isn't this an elite golfer's, not, not a not a you know, Roy McElroy, but why isn't this an elite golfer's profile? And he's only 8,000. I, I just really like Jason. Bell. Last 36 rounds, everybody in this field, there's only four golfers who have gained at least two strokes per round. Roy McElroy, John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Day. Uh, so the big three and J-Day, I don't need to remind you that the big three are all $10,600 or more expensive. Jason Day, 8000 so, yes, I believe he will be popular. It is very well warranted. Anybody else in this $8,000 range? You know, Hideki's been weird. He hasn't played well. He was leading this in 2020 when they canceled it after one round. Like, is there anybody else in this 8K range or are those the guys? I mean, I, I think I didn't really talk about Hatton or Lowry. I mean, they're definitely in play. But I think Cameron Young is at least interesting because of how he flashed last week. I don't think I'm going to be making the dive back in on Cameron Young. And it's not because I don't like him, but it's because I like those other guys so much more. I mean, there's this 8K range is so rich that it's really hard to get to your like fourth or fifth favorite guy, even though it might be a guy you really like. Uh, speaking of, if you just handed me stat profiles and I saw 
seven gains, seven strokes gained ball striking, but losing around the green and losing with the putter. Then seven strokes gained ball striking, but gaining with the putter and losing, or excuse me, gaining around the green, but losing with the putter. I'd be like, oh my God, we, you know, we're trending towards here. We're trending towards uh, seven strokes gained in the ball striking, plus two and a half around the green, plus two at the putter. And this golf tournament is Cam Young's. Yeah, it's a good profile. And, and he's, he's like, he's like plugging the leaks. Yeah. And this is a guy we addressed a little bit last week, just from a pure upside standpoint. And we saw, you know, at least for a few rounds, we saw the upside there. I mean, this, this is a guy that we know is going to reach his potential. It's just a matter of when, uh, has he played? He did. He played this last year. He missed the cut. Very ugly. Although I could just assume he was in the bad wave. I have no idea if he was in the yeah. bad wave or not. There, there was like a three stroke a three stroke difference between AM PM last year. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys got wiped. Um, the seven K range. This is obviously much larger. Chris Kirk, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt McNeely, Sam Burns near the top, all the way down at $7,000 flat. Cam Davis, Christian Bezadenhout, Gary Woodland, Harry, Harris English had a good week last week amongst others. So uh, lots of names here. See, let's pick a couple off and chat about them. <laughs> Yeah, first of all, I think Tommy Fleetwood is a, is a pretty good option, but I'm just going to skip over him for now. I, I like Keegan Bradley, and, and that shouldn't be news to anybody. I think a lot of people are going to like him. Recent history, course history, ball striking. If you go back 20 tournaments, he's gaining with the putter about half the time. So, like, the putter is definitely um, – it, it can pop. And for the record, in the tournaments where he's not gaining with the putter – uh, and I'm looking, going back to that 20 tournament sample size. He's kind of missing the cut. So I actually think there's a little bit more volatility in Keegan Bradley than, than people might think. But I also think the upside is absolutely there. Second at the Farmers, first at the Zozo, uh, T10 at the API just last week. So I, I like Keegan quite a bit at 7,500. There's, there's, there's nobody. Uh, well, so Keegan has played in the last five editions of the Players' Championship every possible round, which means he's made the cut in all five. He has not, he has not gotten MDF to remember that used to be a thing where they'd make a secondary cut after Saturday. If too many guys made the cut and his, and his history here is fifth last year, T 29, T 16, T seven. So that's four straight top thirties. Three of them were 16th or better. And then a T 60 in 2017. And you could argue he's probably playing the best golf of his career or at least yeah. close to it right now. So yeah, that's, that's certainly a convergence of trends on, on Keegan. And I, and I feel like we think about Keegan Bradley in a certain way that, that isn't super favorable to him. And what I mean by that is I think at this point you, you can make Keegan Bradley like 7,900 and that would make complete sense. So like put him where Tommy Fleetwood is, for example, uh, so I like I like Keegan quite a bit at 7,500. I think he makes a ton of sense. He's probably going to be one of the more popular guys in the 7K range. Corey Connor's another guy that was really good last week. Um, he's he's been a big gainer, ball striking all three times he's played here. Uh, he's gained with the putter two out of three that he's played here. He fits the ball striking profile that I'm looking for. Uh, and dating back to last summer, he's gained ball striking in 11 out of 12 tournaments, which shouldn't be a super shock to anybody. But if the putter is a zero putter, Corey Connors is going to outpace this price by quite a bit. So I, I like Corey Connors. He fits in the same mold as, as Keegan Bradley, um, both with how they've played here and recent form. I'll name two other guys. Um, one's obvious and one not so obvious. Tom Hoagie at 7,400, I think, is the more obvious play because he can be, he's been bad off the tee, mind you, but he can be so dialed in on approach. Um, and he's gained with the putter three out of four times here. So that's something, there's something to be said for that. Uh, he's lost 
off the tee two of the four times that he's played here. But what's interesting about that is those two times he was still inside the top 30. So he can be a loser off the tee here. He can be dialed in on approach and decent with the putter and still top 30 this thing at 7,400. I really, really like uh, that particular type of trend because I think he has the upside to also top 15 this tournament, if not better. The last guy I'll mention, and this is a guy I've kind of been laboring over the last few hours. It's a guy I've been on quite a bit, but I didn't necessarily like him for this course. It's Wyndham Clark. Um, You know, if you look at his history here, it's really bad, the ball striking history. But back then, he was such a different player than he is now. Back then, he wasn't gaining on approach at an elite level like he is now. To me, it's a completely different player. And when you actually look at his approach game leading into those tournaments where he did poorly in 2022 and 2021, it wasn't like it was trending well and, you know, and then he just crashed and burned uh, on approach here. So the contrast I'm making is he's just hasn't been good on approach until recently. He's gained on approach seven out of the last eight and in a very significant way. So I think Wyndham Clark is a really sneaky play because a lot of people are going to want to pay up for some of the guys I just talked about, or they're going to want to pay down for some of those upper 6K guys like Kurt Kitayama, for example, or Jonathan Vegas. I don't think anybody's going to be really paying attention to Wyndham Clark. Yeah, it's been an impressive run for him. You know, he hasn't missed a cut since Shriners. He's played a lot. He's got a handful of top 20s in there, and they've come at bigger events like in Phoenix, and he held his own at Riviera and Bay Hill. I, I've been I've been quite impressed with Wyndham Clark. I thought there were a couple other names, at least one. We've I'll, I'll show the Ricky Fowler profile, obviously, as a, as a former champion here and now playing uh, some of his best golf in, in recent memory. You can see he's gained strokes on approach every event of this season. The only one that we don't have measured numbers on is the Zozo, but he finished runner-up that week, so like we can assume he gained strokes on approach and he gained strokes in the ball striking category, and the putters uh, certainly coming back. He's gained at least four strokes putting in three of his last four, and then I think there was somebody else I wanted to point out. Maybe not. Maybe you got them all. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you why you're looking. Uh, Ricky was, was one of the other guys I was going to mention. What kind of threw me off a little bit was that three of the last four times here, he's been like quite bad with the ball striking. You might say, well, well, that's Ricky the last three or four years, but that actually wasn't true with the API. My research going into the API was he was actually really good with the ball striking um, the last two times he played there. Coming here, it's it's been pretty bad, and I just wonder if just for whatever reason it's not a good look for him. But listen, I, I agree with you. I love how Ricky Fowler is trending, and I don't mind him this week at all. Is the other name you were thinking of perhaps Keith Mitchell? Yeah, Keith Mitchell. I've Keith Mitchell, and I think I've got one more as well. So here's his Players' Championship history, T13. Um, what you get from Keith is pretty on brand. He, he's just dry. It really, really well. He gained six strokes at Bay Hill last week. He hasn't lost a tangible amount of strokes off the tee since Wells Fargo last year. I, I worry about the second shot. You know, he can he can get himself into position, which I think is going to help stay out of trouble and, and help give him a chance. But I, he, I need him to gain like two strokes on approach. If he can gain two strokes on approach, he's in this. It's not something he's always capable of doing. And then I believe I oh. Um, uh, Thomas Dietrich, he's a little bit cheaper. So he withdrew from Honda citing an illness, which whatever, uh, if you just throw that out, he was right back at it again at Bay Hill T 24. He's got all this. I mean, this is just a, a great stretch of golf for him. Um, he hasn't missed a cut outside of that WD in geez, since September, he's played a lot of golf. He's got a lot of high end finishes. I just, I just think he's a solid player and people kind of got wiped at Honda. Um, Cause that was a weaker field and he was one of the bigger names. And I just am one to forgive quickly there. 
Yeah, I don't mind that. And I do. I don't want to just gloss completely over Tommy Fleetwood because I do like him and, and his history here in particular in terms of the ball striking, which I'm looking quite a bit at. Uh, it's been really good. Uh, really, really good, actually. So I think Tommy Fleetwood is a, is a pretty interesting play at 7,900. There's Tommy Ladd's stat profile if you're watching on YouTube. $6,000. The top of it includes our chant from last week, Kirk Kidiyama. Again, pricing came out. Uh, obviously, I think it came out Friday night or Friday afternoon or Saturday. What what would Kurt Kitayama's price be if DraftKings waited until Monday to release the pricing? Seventy seven hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say seventy nine. I was gonna say like a thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. That's fair too. So sixty nine hundred bucks for Kitayami's there with like Nick Hardy, Taylor Moore, Will Gordon, and then the min price guys at the Players Championship. Uh, let's see, Chad Ramey. Jerry Kelly, Max McGreevy, Aaron Baddeley's actually been pretty good recently. He's yeah. 6,000 bucks. That's actually not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, let's find some value here in the 6K range. Baddeley at 6,000 is going to make it yeah, into let's, like let's look at this. a random lineup of mine. Here's Baddeley's stat profile. It's it's not bad. I mean, he missed he missed the cut at Honda. He missed the cut at Torrey. Other than that, he's got you know a T thirty seven at Pebble, T thirty four at Bay Hill last week. His uh, Greg would say this is like a very pale. Like yes, a very I was thinking profile, the same thing. Right? It's just like yeah, he's fine. He's like slightly above average in most facets of his game. He's he's playing much better golf than we've than we've kind of seen out of him recently. And I I think he is. I just think he is better than the other guys at six thousand dollars. Oh yeah, there's no question. It's a, it's about a, it's that. a low bar, but that's how I feel. We should tweet at him that he's the the min price because that's bulletin board material. Like he doesn't look like the type of guy to get mad, but maybe we can rile him up. Rick, tweet uh, at him. Thank I wonder you. If he, uh, let's check his players' championship history before we get too excited about this. That is, <laughs> let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six missed cuts in his last seven. Uh, he did finish T six here a dozen years ago. That maybe he can find some. Good vibes around this week. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's 6,000 for a reason, but I think he should be like 6,500. Um, what else we got? I mean, Kitayama is obviously interesting. I think he's going to have a lot of people's interest at 6,900, and it makes sense. I mean, he was really good last week. He, he, for the record, he did a lot of the damage with the short game as well, um, as opposed to just being a, just a murderer on the ball striking. But uh, just a really good tournament. He was completely locked in the whole time. And it's not the first time we've seen him be really good at golf, for the record. Um, CJ Cup back in October, he was excellent pretty much everywhere. So I, I like him, but I think he's going to carry some ownership. That's fine if it's not completely out of control. It's part of the reason I like Wyndham Clark, because I think people will pay down for Kurt Kitayama, for example, or maybe a Jonathan Vegas, who I also like at 6,800. Um, Vegas has some good and bad history here. But the strokes game metrics as of late have been just off the charts. So, so good. Uh, if the putter's okay, he's going to be a great option. He's going to be, uh, honestly, he's probably going to be one of my first round leader options. I think he can explode any, any given round. And he, for the record, hasn't lost ball striking since July. And there was a there was a little bit in there where he was out with the shoulder injury and shoulder surgery, but the ball striking yeah, has been I, so good. I, I'm actually impressed that when he came back from surgery, he was just like right back at it again. And maybe he took yeah. some extra time to get the game sharp, but like he really did not from a from a statistical profile standpoint, did not miss a beat. You could if I if I just showed you this and blacked out the dates, you would not be able to tell where the injury was, when the surgery occurred, and and when he came. It's 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 pretty strong. 
It's really, really strong. So yeah, Vegas, Kurt Kitayama, a couple guys below that that I, I think I'd be willing to actually put in lineups as opposed to just like have, you know, sometimes in the 6K range, people just talk about a guy, but they're not going to actually you know, play him. And I, and I suppose I've been guilty of that too. But these two guys, I think I'm going to be willing to throw in a lineup or two. Robbie Shelton is one of them at 6,600. Uh, played here once before with a miscut. Um, I'm just glad he has experience here. So that that that's a... That's a check. That's a checked box right there for me. Uh, I've been on him as of late. I love the ball striking. Uh, he's very good around the green as well. It's the putter that usually lets him down on this course. I think you can be a bad putter and still maybe be successful. So Robbie Shelton is just a train. I'm, I'm just going to continue to ride. He's only missed two cuts in like his last 18 events. It was Sony and Mayakoba. Other than that, he's been great. Right, exactly. He, you know, he he's the type of profile that he'll make the cut for you, and then he'll he. There might be a disappearing act Saturday and Sunday, but again, I just love the potential here, and I I think the uh, I think the profile fits really quite well for the players. The other guy's Brandon Wu at sixty four hundred. Uh, three of his last four, the ball striking has actually been really good. It's the putter that's that's gotten him down as well, uh, but he's shown upside. Uh, let's say T uh, fourteen at the Honda, a T two at Pebble. Uh, he's just one of those guys that sometimes lurks around the top of the leaderboard. Like even on a Saturday, going into Sunday, and you're like, "Oh, Brandon Wu's having a nice tournament." I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. And so, I think Brandon Wu at sixty four hundred. If you want to speculate on somebody, um, I think that's a guy to speculate on. The other one that I threw out there is Ryan Fox. Uh, strong ball striker, finished T14 at, at, at API. He's got four consecutive top 20s now between the DP World Tour and the and uh, the PGA Tour. And what I kind of like about this is there's always this conversation around these guys that you know are playing global golf and, oh, is this event too big for him and whatnot? He's played like 15 major championships. He's never played the players, but like he's played – uh, the PGA, he's played the US Open, he's played the Open Championship a bunch. I'm not, I'm not super worried about that. And he is sixty seven hundred dollars, uh, coming off a great week at Bay Hill. I don't mind that. I, uh, we have a New Zealander in the chat, and that's of course, uh, you know him, Rick. It's David uh, Bileski, uh, and of course, yeah, we're um, checking the chat. Fox, Fox being from uh, New Ze- Zealand as well. I know David is has got an eye, has had an eye on him. <laughs> the play's been a little erratic lately, but I, I think, I think he's a fine boy. Oh, sweet. Hey, David. Um, all right. I think uh, Nico Echeverria got in with his P- uh, Puerto Rico Open victory last week. 6,100 bucks. Obviously playing well. Um, anything else? Anyone else here? Um, we had somebody point out in the chat, you know, Ben Martin is there. I- I'm a sucker for Ben Martin, but in this field, I don't really see it from him. Um, is it right that Davis Riley is 6,500? I saw that in the chat as well. Yeah, I'll pull him up. So Ben then, Martin, T3, T5 at Pebble and Honda. Davis Riley is here, is coming off a T8 at Bay Hill, a great ball striking week, T29 at Honda after those missed cuts, which is something he kind of does. Kind of, He's a very streaky golfer at this point. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, part of the T8 was gaining almost five and a half strokes with the putter last week, but the ball striking was okay. And the, the previous tournament at, at Honda gained over six ball striking, man, that putter is, that's pretty bad. We're, we're in uh, Emiliano uh, Grillo territory at that point. Kyle Stanley stuff. Nobody in Emiliano Grillo territory. First from T to green last <laughs> week, dead last with the putter, almost impossible to do. Uh, so good. 
all right, let us suspend all logic and reason. Let us do some strokes gain narratives. If you've ever seen this before, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, we just have a little fun here at the end. And and whatever the narrative is for the week, which the fans kind of make up and see where we go, they submit a lineup and then we read them here. And I have not even seen these. I Sometimes I'll, I'll peruse the slides before. I, I'm going in dark here, Troy. So just throw them at me and we'll see what's happening here. Oh boy. This, this first one's a doozy. I mean, I like this is probably not one to to not have read beforehand because it's lyrics to a song by Jermaine Dupree and Ludacris uh, called Welcome to Atlanta. So and I, yeah, pretty much. And I promised everybody you practiced and that you would wrap <laughs> this today. Well, that is a lie. It is a lie. Uh, so it's from Brent Harris. So he says uh, this is he's, it's his first musical contribution. So Brent, uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be rapping this, but it is set to the beat of Jermaine Dupri's "Welcome to Atlanta." How does that go? I mean, you actually expect me to hum it or sing it because that's not happening. It's a really catchy song, though. It's oh, a good song. Okay. It, so the, the original song goes, "Welcome to Atlanta, where the players play." That's right. I don't know how the rest of it goes. Okay, okay, this is quite catchy. Okay, so you know Brent has gone and he has swapped out Atlanta for Ponte Vedra. He's obviously using the players. The players play. This is this is pretty strong, Brent. I, if you, I'll tell you what, Brent, you record yourself rapping this, and we'll play it on the show. Oh, that's such a good idea. That's fair. Nice out, Rick. Getting the, getting the chat involved. I love it. Uh, Ryan at Fantasy Bunker. Oh, he's heading to Jacksonville. Or maybe he's not. Maybe we're heading to Jacksonville figuratively. Who didn't own – oh, I did. Who didn't own a Jaguar starter jacket in the 90s? I had uh, – dude, the Jags with like Mark Brunel. And like I thought mm-hmm. that when they first came into league, I thought that was the coolest thing to ever happen to my life. Mark Brunel, uh, Fred Taylor, I believe, was on who that was team. The, who was – was Fred Taylor the running back? Who was the yes. other running back on that team? Did they Ooh. have a fullback? Or am I just confusing him with confusing Mike Allstott, my other because I love the Bucks, like Warwick Dunn, Mike Allstott when they when they were yeah. Oh, I loved that. When they like redid the logos and the schemes. See, Rick, Rick's a football guy. I don't think people yeah, know you. Seven years ago or whatever that was. What's funny is I saw something on the internet just real quick about um they, they showed the Atlanta Fal- it was on Twitter on, on, on the internet. Um what am I a hundred? Twitter is uh, on the internet. Yeah, so so they showed the uh, the Falcons logo and they said, "What's the first player you think of?" And for some reason, my my instead of Deion Sanders, my instinct was to say Warwick Dunn. Yeah, that's what but I of course Warwick Dunn played with um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Ryan says. So these are. Oh, this is cool. So these are actually football teams and golfer crossover. So Johnny Las Vegas Raiders, Indianapolis Eric Colettes, nice, <laughs> Mackenzie Houston Oilers. Love Excellent. that. Philadelphia Peter Malnott Eagles. <laughs> that was a stretch, but I liked it. <laughs> Tennessee Woo Titans and, <laughs> and Kansas CT Pan Chiefs. That's great. Good well stuff done. from Ryan as usual. Well done, Ryan. What else we got? Model Maniac. What used to be the strongest field in golf is no more after the Live Boys were – Banned. Now he put that into quotes and spelled it B A N D. So my hunch here is that these are going to be bands coming up. See, I believe that's fair to say. Very good. Justin's Guns and Roses. <laughs> Doc Red Hot Chili Peppers. AC Dietrich. 
That's good. Elite. That's elite. This one is as well. Jason Green Day. That's great. Cam Davis Matthews Band. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And Stuart Sink 182. Wow. I'm, this, I'm, I'm quite impressed by this. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer. We, we have a lot in the, in the Hall of Fame, and Markowski owns at least half of those that are There's in the There's a Hall wing for Markowski, but this is pretty good. This is first ballot. There's no question about it. Yeah, that's, that's really, really strong. Congrat, congratulations. That's, uh, that's top-notch stuff there. John Markowski speaking of the devil. TPC Sawgrass, 17th Island Green. My must-ifs, my must-if stuck on a desert island. John is going to need plenty of KH2O Lee. He'd fashion an Adam Shank to fend off wild boars. Enough Eric Charcoal to fire up the Grillo. A Seamus power source to check those DraftKings scores and James Hahn to keep me company with his rants. <laughs> he could do that. He could absolutely do that. You can't afford him, John. You can't afford James Hahn on your deserted island. Um, is that it? Do we have more? We have one more from Eric K. <gasps> UKCBS. Hello. Hello, Eric. Uh, I don't think I've ever called him Eric. Hello, EK. Is it too late for the annual? Wow. Players haters ball. How about this? Silky Siwoo Kim. Beautiful Billy Horschel. Hayden Buck Nest Lee. <laughs> That's good. Aaron. <laughs> How would you pronounce this? Aaron Weiss T. Aaron Weiss T. Right. Yeah. Like ice. Yeah. Right. Aaron Weiss T. Andrew Pitbull Putnam. And this is my favorite one. Yeah. Doc Redmond. <laughs> <laughs> Just Doc Redmond. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really all you need. That's so good. Wow. Everybody's getting involved. Big tournament. Everybody's getting involved with the uh, the narratives this week. <sighs> what else do we have, Sam? I think that's it. Let's, we just got to go out and, and, and take down a DFS tournament. We, we've, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Adam Shank in there. I don't know how that guy's doing it, but you know, I've been mentioning him pretty much every show, and he manages to make the cuts, and he's like, ball striking is just horrific, and he's just putting. He had he had like the longest. It was probably eighteen months ago at this point. But he had like him and John Rahm were tied for the longest cut streak at one point. It was like fifteen or sixteen. The guy makes cuts. Some of these uh, guys just figure it out. I got three three things. So two of them are what is in the description. There's links in the description for the fan one and done. There's a link in the description for the fans to sign up for the first cut bracket challenge. When the March madness bracket drops, we'll all compete and we'll find something for the winner. The third thing, see ya. Uh, this could be a whole show on its own, but did you see that DraftKings now has the, what do they call them? Rainmakers available for golf this is the first week where you can get your nft packs play your lineups for the pga tour yeah so i remember the rainmakers from sometime last year whether it was football or or golf i just don't get involved in that stuff it's just not interesting to me i don't do the nft thing the crypto stuff the stuff i can't touch or feel like money it's i just i don't take the time to do it am i am i on the outside looking in here no, no, I think I think that's that you're in the majority. I think though, and I've generally not been an NFT guy. However, this to me is a good utility of NFTs. 
right? This is this is you you get these NFTs, but you can use them to create lineups, right? And only so many people have a Rory McIlroy card, and then the, you put the lineups in, and they've got prize just like a normal contest would be right so so Mm -hmm. this to me is a good utility as opposed to like an an art nft or something like that which i'm not going to get into but like an actual utility um i believe this is a pretty good use of it i i don't know how involved i'll get but i will at least keep an eye on it for the next couple weeks (laughs) that's fair and i don't know if you had another thing but i do have something to throw it at you just just real quick if you're starting your lineup with, let's say, Rory or Scotty, pick one of the two, mm-hmm. and you pair it with Zal or Hovland, you're, it's going to leave you with about 7,500. You can do that, or you can have Morikawa, have Hovland, and Zalator, some combination of those guys, and it's going to leave you with the same amount of money. Because we had this discussion last week. Do you take one of the top three guys and a guy you really like in the lower 9K, upper 8K range, or do you take a few guys that are in that sort of upper 8 uh you know, mid nine K range, you get three instead of the two. What do you I think? Do this I think I would take Scotty and Victor. I'm like okay. kind of convinced Scotty's just gonna win this thing. I just like it's it's crazy, man. We're we're going on a year now. We're going on a year where he is like the best T to green player in the world, is in every golf tournament, and the ones he doesn't win, he very easily could have. It's it's getting nuts right now. And he kind of came out of nowhere, too. I mean, a couple of guys, including Rory, came out of nowhere uh, at the API. But it, it feels like he's just like, oh, Scotty's having an OK tournament. And then all of a sudden, he's got a putt to go to a playoff. It's like doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, I think if you gave me Scotty and Victor right now, I'd be I'd be pretty smitten with that. Yeah, that's what was the other, the other option was what Colin, Victor and and Zalatoris. It, maybe like home of if I could get home of Victor and Zalatoris, but I guess that'll cost me a little bit more. But, yeah, but, but marginally more, marginally. you could do that. Yeah, that would leave that you would like kind of be interesting. I do worry a little bit that like Victor and Zalatoris feel very very volatile. Um, Colin, Victor, and Zalatoris feels like three yes, of the most true. volatile golfers above eight thousand dollars or whatever. Right, like that's that's I, I'm happy to take on risk. That feels like a lot of risk. Yeah, that's fair. I get that. That's my opinion. I don't know. What the hell do I know? Um, All right. We'll be back on Tuesday for the Mega Preview Pod and obviously round-by-round recaps after every round of the Players' Championship. Big thanks, Producer Troy, doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.